Welcome, everyone, to District Divided, a DC sports podcast. I am Amit. That is KDOT. We're both wearing black for a reason. I think you can guess the reason why this is a Commander's podcast. KDOT, how are you doing, sir? Oh, my gosh. We're off to a rocket start here. (laughs) And may she rest in peace. May she rest in peace. Yes, also... um... Just as sad. No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> also sad. Also sad. We'll say also sad. Also sad. Our beloved commanders. Can they be beloved if they just existed like 10 seconds ago? <laughs> Our beloved Washington team that plays football lost to the fucking bombed out city of Detroit. Uh, uh. And they had in Detroit, like they were having fun. The stadium was rocking. I feel like I feel personally... It's my fault because of all the shit I said about that godforsaken city. So um, I think you can take 5% of the blame at most. Okay. So I'll give you some, yeah, uh, but, yeah. but, not, yeah. but not nearly as much as you're making it out to be. So um, for those of you listening, typically what we do at this point is we run down, hey, we're going to talk about the offense then we're going to talk about the defense, etc. cetera. Uh, because these Monday episodes, and we're going to begin doing these recap episodes, and we'll continue with the preview ones Friday, 2 p.m., um, but in a situation like this, we don't know where this is going to go, right? I mean, we that was one hell of a game, mm-hmm. and so we're just going to sort of go. Um, I will make the YouTube chapters accordingly, so you'll still be able to see those below if you want to skip around to a specific segment you're interested in, but just to let you know, we have no idea how this and is going to go. watch the whole thing, damn it. Yeah, just go ahead and do that, and we will cover everything. Um, so, Kadot, I wanted to begin with this, which is during our recap episodes, what we typically do, or I'm sorry, during our previews, Friday, 2 p.m., YouTube, um, what we typically do is we do the offense versus the defense. We do some of the X's and O's, then we do the defense versus the offense, and then we give a prediction. Yep. Where I didn't realize just how significant this was, but we are very, very badly missing the coaches against coaches segment because Mm. that first half against the Detroit Lions, where it was 22, nothing was one of the kindest score lines I've ever seen. Should have been more would look like we were playing the 85 bears for their defense. And it looked like we were playing the greatest show on turf on the other side. And if that's true, if both those things are true and 53 players just aren't ready to play, Yes, you could point to the players and be like, look, they weren't ready to play. Who do you think that falls on if all 53 aren't ready? That first half was one of the worst things I've ever seen. So I want to begin there, Kato. What were your thoughts on just the first half? And we'll get to the second, of course. But first half, please. Uh, it, to me, it's more of a quarter-by-quarter quarter feeling for this one. But uh, along the same lines of the way you framed this whole thing was that as I was watching, I was thinking about because I was writing notes as I was watching the game about like, all right, how am I even going to break this down as far as the offense, defense, and even special teams that we were going to do it, do those. And I'm like, I blame everybody, right? So it's like at least early on in the game. But to me, it was more of like, it just felt as though the wheels fell off near the end of the first quarter. 
like there was a series, there were, there were a few drives that just, it was the, um, yeah, it was like way down. It was like three minutes left to go in the first quarter when things, the wheels just fell off. Like you could tell very early on, I wanted to get all over Scott Turner and the offense, the offensive line. Like you could see they were just dominating at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, or the, the, the Lions defense was just dominating, just pushing our guys all around. But then I was looking at Scott Turner in the sense of like, it almost felt as though he was trying to get some sort of rhythm, but rhythm along the lines of like what our older teams have done when they don't have weapons necessarily. It was like, all right, he still wants to run the ball within the tackles. He's still trying to do the short throws or cards to try to get something manageable. But this is not necessarily a team in which you get control of the offense that way. It's just get the ball in the hands of the playmakers. Right. It's, it, and that's the thing that you didn't see happen at all at the beginning of the game. And then when the wheels completely fell off was the, uh, well, we get the stop on the fourth down, get the ball back, the two-yard Gibson run, then the uh, Leno gets beat for the safety. Yeah. After the safety, safety uh, free kick, they run it back across the 30. And then Amon Ra gets the touchdown over uh, falling William Jackson diving at nothing, right? Yeah. And it was like at that point in the game, you could just see from a demoralized standpoint, Washington was lost. Washington was just, they were lost in the sauce. Like we were really into that game. It was 12-0 at that point, right? Yeah. Um, you're still in it because if you look at what happened with Washington, it was just they couldn't get, they couldn't figure out what to do on offense just to get anything sustained, right? So it was like run for two yards. Most of the series had like a, a two or three yard run, something really quick. And then you're looking at third and long and Carson doesn't have enough time in the pocket because they're collapsing on him and it's a slower developing play. Yeah. And it was just like Scott just didn't get it figured out until the second half. And then it was like, holy shit. And the same thing right. that I'm talking about is like, all right, the, the end arounds to Terry McLaurin, the Curtis Samuel or, or on an end around. It's get the ball in the playmaker's hands and that will, that will start steamrolling things. And I think that that's the thing that I'm looking at is, and uh, yeah, I got nothing positive to say about the fucking defense right now until we get into it. I don't know if I even went too far. What was your question? I'm just kind of lost. <laughs> your thoughts of the first half. But no, but again, like I said, we have no idea how this is ultimately going to go because there's a lot to talk about here, right? So yep. Uh, excellent point. Uh, that sequence was horrifying. a horrifying sequence, like you said. And also, like, you know, Charles Leno has been brilliant for us overall. So for him to let that happen, I think was just sort of, hey, it's one of those days. Yep. I'm not necessarily saying I'm giving him a pass, but like, you know, because your job's your job. But he's typically really good for this team. So I almost am saying it where it's just like, OK, like that doesn't happen that often. Like he's normally I think solid. There's another side to that, though. Go ahead. There's another side, and I agree with you, but I think that there is one of those, it's just one of those days that sits in with a player, which is what mm -hmm. I think happened after that series, is that we look demoralized. Like, on offense, the offensive line, everything, I think after the safety, everybody just looked dead. Well, so that was the most confusing part. So when we first, uh, when the schedule released, I picked Detroit, right? Um, and it was just like, hey, it's an early game in Detroit. They have a you know new ish team. Um, you know, they're on hard knocks, whatever you get that little extra kick, if you will, right. uh, from that. So you just never know. But then I see they're starting center out, they're starting left guard out, they're starting right guard out. Now I know John Allen has the groin injury. I know Phil Mathis is out for the year, and we got Donovan Jeter. And so, like, there there is some makeshift, yeah, there is some makeshift stuff on that line. But at the end of the day, it's still Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. He actually did have a good game. 
Um, and then Montez kind of disappeared. Like we have three first round picks still on that line. And James Smith Williams is more than serviceable. So how are we not generating the pressure? Because when you flip it, we're getting absolutely dogged on the other side. So we just lost the trenches. I switched my pick to Washington because I go, we're going to win the trenches. That's the reason. And instead, it was completely, completely different. It was the exact opposite in that first half. I I think that I was even more, I I think I'm a little more not forgiving necessarily, but maybe it'll sound this way. I thought the secondary was absolutely atrocious. The coverage was atrocious. So to me, it's like, and I I think I'm usually one that blames more of the pass pro and you're more on the coverage side historically Mm -hmm. when we're talking about commanders. And I think it, it flips this game a bit for me anyway. It just felt as though if you pass anything five to 12 yards, it's going to be completed unless you just drop it and you're probably going to get yak. And mm-hmm. it's every, it, it was every time, whether raw flashing across any, you see Davis or, uh, or uh, Holcomb in mm-hmm. the rear view mirror, chasing down a guy who just caught the ball. Yeah. There was never any sort of standpoint that they were in coverage about to block anything. It was, these guys are streaming across the field. They're getting hit in stride and we're trying to chase them down. And it was, that to me was something that it, throughout the entire game, was absolutely atrocious. That every five to ten yard throw felt like a firm completion, except for a couple drops I saw, yep. and they were running for yak. And 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 even and then the, the 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 icing on the cake to that is the piss poor tackling of the of the DBs. Like the angles were fucking trash. And like I'm watching the game because I, I watched it today, right before we're doing this pod, a day late because I was traveling yesterday. Um. The, the, the one play that sticks out to me probably more than anything else, it was in the third quarter, uh, DeAndre Swift. That, third and 15. That third and 15, where he falls down, gets up, and you look at the DBs, and there are three bunched, not getting aggressively blocked, staring the play down. Or how many times you see a DB stop and not attacking the ball carrier, and then it's too late to make the move. It yeah. reminded me, like, you remember when Greg Williams was here, there was a little bit of it with Jim Hazlitt, where it was – Swarming defense. It was yes. if if we if we don't see players on the TV screen running into the picture frame, you guys are all on our shit list. Yes. That felt like that is not being said by Jack Del Rio not once. There were so many times where I was looking at the TV screen. I'm just seeing there's no commanders players here. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. And you see dudes walking or waiting for things to develop. And it's like there is no attack mode at all with these defenders. It's sit 10 yards back watch everything happen, and then take the worst possible angles ever to gotta make the tackles. And if that's yeah. Del Rio or Chris Harris or whoever, they need to get these guys in line. Absolutely. But now here, here's what I'm going to ask you. So we gave up 22 points to Jacksonville, right? And it could have been more. I, yes. I mean, ETN was Absolutely. wide open in the end zone. He also had a walk-in touchdown. He just dropped that. Um, and that's just Travis ETN. 22 to Jacksonville. 34 to Detroit, two points being the safety. So 34, that's where that is. Do we have a significant coaching problem here with Jack Del Rio? Or do you put it more on the players these first two weeks? It's hard to say. Uh, And one more thing that I'll I'll go back to the coaching thing. And it's just another thing because I got off track. The defensive line, while I'm not giving them a whole lot of shit as far as pass pro, I am giving them shit for no run discipline. 
and the fucking lanes where you could drive Mack trucks. Two weeks in a row. That's two weeks in a row. Horrifying. So, and then they fired the D-line coach, remember, three, four weeks ago? Because it was supposed to be some sort of philosophy difference. And I'm not, I'm seeing the exact same things that we were seeing somewhat early last year with much higher rushing end totals happening this year. I think last year was the Daniel Jones game where it was like, holy shit, what the fuck? But be the... I don't know yet. Look, it's we're two weeks into the season. Anything can still happen. Like what the last every season at Ron Rivera has been head coach. I think we've been one and one to start off or something like that. I don't know. I think I saw that stat. Sure, but this time it's Detroit and Jacksonville. True that. True that. And Absolutely. the way it's happened, I mean, it has looked atrocious. But still, week two, I'm not hitting any sort of panic button. I am maybe reevaluating where I thought the strength, like the where I thought the strength of this team would be. Mm-hmm. I think that I am completely reevaluating that. I do want to say that with as much first round talent is on that defense and them not performing, I'm putting it on the coaching staff more than I'm putting it on the players. Um, but I, I do like, I, I'm not going to let the players off the hook when I saw the piss poor tackling effort when it came to the defensive backs throughout that game. So, I mean, this is one that everybody gets to share it. But I mean, uh, but then I look at the I look at the, the 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 defense in the sense of where I think the most issues are happening in that coverage area, and that's why I look at Jack Del Rio, I look at John, I, I look at Ron Rivera, and I'm like, all of this knew that there were holes in the defense in certain areas, and you guys didn't address it. You yeah. guys told us that all we needed was an off season. You got last week Del Rio's throwing Davis under the bus. And he ain't got no right to be throwing anybody under the bus. And now opinion. Ron's throwing Davis under the bus. Which is some bullshit, in my opinion, because like we all said, we all knew what was the number one thing of need that every watch, every Commanders fan had all offseason. Linebacker, linebacker. What's happening as far as safety in that hybrid role? Are we addressing something as far as the Buffalo? Where's Landon Collins? Is he still sitting at home? What the fuck is going on there? Like, where where did we do to address this? And why are we getting gashed? What was it? Seven or eight yards of play? Yeah, so so why don't I just quickly read that? So DeAndre Swift touched the ball seven times, five carries for 56 yards. It's an 11.2 average on the ground. Two catches, 31 yards, and that touchdown, that back-breaking touchdown in the second half where we were getting some momentum on offense. Jabal Williams had 12 <laughs> carries for 53 yards. Amon Ross St. Brown was actually the leader in carries with two for 68 yards, along with nine catches for 116 yards and two touchdowns. So we can't stop anybody, right? So again, this is Detroit and this is Jacksonville and we're giving up 29 points a game. It's going to get harder. We're right. going to see Philly play tonight and they are right now. I even tweeted earlier today, AJ Brown, 200 yards. If you're looking for a sort of a long shot bet, go for it. Honestly, because I don't see any way that we're stopping him. I don't have any faith in the coaching staff to be able to game plan and scheme for one player because if they do somehow take him away, then Devontae Smith will go for 200. You're going to see a 200-yard receiver, I'm pretty sure, next week for for them. I I wouldn't put money against it. I mean, that, and I think that's the other thing is defensively, like when the offense finally got together in the second half and we're bringing this into it, I saw this on the Washington, po- Washington Post article about it. And every time that we got in the second half within a score where it looked like we were going to get, the defense responded thusly. 75 plays and four yards to allow the Lions to go up 14 again, then 70 yards and six plays for Detroit's final points. That is backbreaking. 
Yeah. That is that that is Bane breaking Batman's back. That is that that it is that's dog shit. Like I look, if I'm being completely honest, the same way I said last week, kind of going into this game, I, I did think the offense was going to be in it for more longer. Mm-hmm. And look, I still look at that for and I'm saying that I, I do think Scott Turner, while he gets a lot of credit for what happened in the second half, I think he did a piss poor job in that first quarter trying to get the game managed when he saw what was happening with that pass rush. The second half is when he made the adjustments. I'd like more in-game adjustments, Scott, mm-hmm. especially early on, because <clears throat> we get into that deficit and then we have to go balls out. Carson had a hell of a game, and I still think, as I said prior to this, uh, prior to this week, we have some of the best fucking weapons in the league. Oh yeah, all we have to do is get them the ball, and that—that's what I think you saw in that second half. Like I said, those end arounds. Are, Terry McLaurin, we're so used to him running basically like go routes or like really long hitches or some shit. Mm-hmm. What did he look like on those end arounds? How good did he look? Run that ball down the field from the line of scrimmage. Like we just have to get the ball in these guys. Hands. And I think Scott's going to get more comfortable with that as we go on. Yep. And I think that there's, I really do. And I know this is going to sound fucking crazy. Cause once again, it's only been Jacksonville. It's only been Detroit. They're not good teams. I really do think if that offensive line holds up and Scott knows what he's doing as far as it, it keep the defensive line at bay, we can hold, we can keep up with anybody on offense. But that defense, me and you both predicted that Detroit was going to score more than 30 points this last game, right? Um, so it's not a surprise necessarily that they scored a lot of fucking points, and that's the issue. The defense is a glaring, glaring hole, which yeah. should be the strength. And whoever needs to blame, we we said this season is the no excuses season. Mm-hmm. But and all the coaches, we're... all the coaches are doing is throwing out excuses, and the excuses are the players aren't doing their jobs. But that's the other thing is that like we look back on it, and you say like last year, do we think last year they had legitimate excuses? Last year, yes, there there was the COVID period where we were missing so many players, it was insane. We had to move the game. All of a sudden, Garrett Gilbert's playing, and he just like. He literally got on a flight. I don't even know if he ever touched down, you know, in Ashburn. I think he maybe just went straight to Philly and just played the game and then left again. So, yeah, I think there were some excuses last year. This year, when you have an entire offseason and it's the first two weeks, right? And you could also make the case we maybe lose the Jacksonville game, if not for some amazing throws from Carson and an amazing play from a rookie who has been fabulous so far in Jahan Dotson. Uh, uh, yeah. Our, our, I mean... Our playmakers, like you said, fantastic. Okay. I mean, Terry was making sliding catches. Like Jeff Okuda's, he has had a great start to his season for the Lions as their number one corner. And Terry was doing what he wanted to do. Right. So Terry's. I'm laughing. My girlfriend's snoring on the couch and it's fucking (laughs) hilarious. And I hope it gets picked up on the mic. I mean, she, she can't, well, I can't hear it, unfortunately. So feel free to do what you need to do to get that picked up. I'm not going to throw it completely on the bus. <laughs> but um, but the point is like, yeah, our playmakers are good. I agree with the sentiment that we can keep up with anybody because I also think once Brian Robinson shows up, that is going to change things because he is very north and south and he's got a little shiftiness to him. And as of right now, he looks good. I would not be surprised if he just misses the minimum of four games and is there for week five. Yep. Right. I, yeah, I'd be with you on that. I just man. It, that defense is fucking bad. Let, let's talk about the defense specifically. Okay. So it seemed like, so Jonathan Allen's groin is clearly a problem. 
mm-hmm. because I ended up seeing the like more advanced stats. One pressure, one hurry. That's that's it. He we you couldn't see him on TV. He yeah. literally he was not it, he was not apparent on TV. And I'm not going to fault him because once again, it, it's it's that player that constantly produces. Right? You don't ever question his effort. Yeah, or and the lack like of depth so, is not his fault. And, right. So letting Settle walk, letting Ionitis walk. Phil Mathis, it's an unfortunate injury, but now we're down two net from last season, right? Already. Um, we're already down one net, just to be clear. And we still had the linebacking issue and we still have the safety issue. So uh, when this is where I go more at the coaches, right? And we talk about the roster construction. You had an entire offseason to fix this. You had an entire offseason of knowing what the problems were. It's terrible when both casual fans casual fans and maybe more diehard fans like you and me and others that are listening to this know that this is a problem. And now we're seeing it. And Mm -hmm. these are the guys being paid millions, these coaches, right? Mm -hmm. And we're seeing it and they're going, they're not playing well enough. Well, no fucking shit. That's all we've been saying this whole time is that you need more there. So I don't understand throwing a second-year linebacker who is a first-round pick who actually has been okay. Yeah, he got burned week one. actually thought he was fine week two. Relative to other people on that defense, fine. But you shouldn't have him as a scapegoat, KDOT. No, I agree with that. Like, but, where uh, is that coming good. from? <laughs> right, but where is that coming from? Okay, but why isn't he good? I would say at this point, given his physical tools, uh-huh. right? So we're talking that size. We're talking that speed. And you see a couple of the plays he does make. It's like, oh, man, he, like, he does pop <laughs> off the screen when he makes that play. That's coaching. That is instilling confidence in a young player. And that's letting him know that he can do it. And he doesn't look like he can do it. So where does that come from? Once again, I think it's coaching. And I want to take it a step further. I'm pissed off, obviously. Do you think the whole Jack Del Rio crap that happened this summer with his comments about just, I just have a couple questions. Do you think that is playing in at all? I'm dead serious about that. I think the the way that people responded to the Jack Del Rio comments, we had like Jonathan Allen, who's trying to be the cosmic professional. Um, what it said to me was that the guys aren't that close to him. And... Okay. Um, I am of the idea, and I said it a few weeks ago on this pod, that this is a defense that plays off of emotion more than anything else. When you see the guys that are there in that locker room, when you see a dude like Deron Payne want to fight people on the sidelines last year, which is just fire, well, you got a Jonathan Allen who once things get going, he's like the strong silent type, but strong silent and also like get shit done. You kind of look at him almost like a Reggie White figure on that defense. It's like when he gets going, the rest of those guys just look to him and see the fire in his eyes and like, all right, let's go. We got a chase young. Who's been more of a cheerleader than a fucking player, but you still see the emotion and you love seeing that. Right. Mm-hmm. And cam curl force all those guys. If It'll be they nice getting him buy, back. Right, hugely. But if they can't get fired up, with Jack Del Rio, if there's not that closeness there with those guys, then yeah, you're never going to get the best out of them ever. We're in year three. Yeah, I'm like, I'm that's the thing is like, I, I, I was thinking about that when I was watching the game. Is that like, and the reason I asked you earlier, as far as was there legitimate excuses last year? Yeah. You had to bring them back, I guess, right? Because I mean, last year was oh, one I of see. those things was like, when you saw the injuries that happened and the COVID shit that it went down and, by the end of the season, we can barely feel the fucking team. 
And yet we still had a like a season where overall we were kind of like, shit, with Taylor Heineke at quarterback, this and the other, like it could have been worse, right? Um, I don't think Ron Rivera, especially knowing how loyal he is and loyal to a fault he can be, I understand bringing Del Rio back. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. And I really yeah. do think that this year, and this is the thing that we've been talking about. We, I think we even mentioned whether or not Ron would be on the hot seat this season. And there is a built-in sort of like last year it kind of didn't count. Okay. Thing that happens. So like, I, so I don't know. Like Ron, I think, gets an opportunity this year to throw – Del Rio under the bus without necessarily having to cause fire to his seat. I think he still has one more scapegoat left. I think he does. I think he does. Now, my question is, do you think there's a possibility it's used midseason? Should this continue? Oh, if it continues, I don't think I'll have a choice. Okay. Yeah, uh, I agree. Because um, I, I don't see, like, we know, we know there's a guy that still owns this team that regardless of what he tells the league or anything else can make shit happens if he wants to have it happen. I would say this it won't obviously won't happen now. It's already Monday. It won't happen this week, no. nor should it. Again, it's just been no, two games. It's two games. Um, I, I get the emotional calls for it. I do understand that because that was a completely embarrassing performance. Yeah, plus right? he's not, which again, what happened it. in the offseason? He's not endeared himself to anyone here. Yeah, you had that as well. And right. all of a sudden you're like, what the hell? Um, it wouldn't even happen next week. Not even a Philly hangs. 40 they will not do it before chase young comes back no actually i would disagree because if we go to dallas with the cooper rush led cowboys who Mm -hmm. listen they beat cincinnati fair play to them but if he hangs a bunch of points cooper rush hangs a bunch of points on this defense and just looks like a again jared goff in that first half looked phenomenal Mm -hmm. trevor lawrence if he had just completed some passes in a clean pocket, and he did have that a few times, would have also looked great. We'd be 0-2 right now. If Cooper Rush Rush ends up having a big game, it can actually happen before Chase Young comes back. Just because it's Ron, and we know Ron is, once again, loyal to a fault. He oh, will no, give listen, his listen, we lose to Dallas. I, we we I, go one I, and three. Ron is like the Ron looked more pissed in this last press conference than I've seen him in a minute. Right. Like he, he, he was looked, more pissed with the questions than he was. Like, it, but that's else. that's how you know Ron's angry. It's like yes, he I agree. So like that's that's the thing is like where he channels it in the press conference. I don't know if that's actually what he believes, but yeah. it's that's the only way that he's going to let out his frustration because I don't think he lets it out with any of the guys in that one in, in uh, the organization. Yeah. So I do think he gives Del Rio until Chase comes back. I really do. Because I, I, I think that he looks at it as, hey, this guy's supposed to be the best up-and-coming guy on the defense, and maybe things change if he gets in the picture. Like, I, I see I see Ron looking through and saying, like, all right, he doesn't have Cam Curl and he doesn't have Chase Young, and that's enough for me to keep it going. Yeah. Because you see the built-in excuses about how much the defensive line was hurt and how much this was done. Of He's course. Everybody the opportunity. But at the end of the day – these things happen, right? There's always something. There's always something for every team, mm-hmm. right? So we'll see what happens. I am I am convinced by what you've said, um, but I also will say I would not be surprised if we are one and three. I'd be surprised. Off a, off a loss to Dallas, 0-2 in the division, in a make-or-break season. 
if I'd be Del surprised Rio. and I'd be pleasantly surprised. Fair enough. Because I, I want this, I want Ron to be able to pull the trigger sooner on things. Like Dallas, I, I really do. I, I think it's because it would be Dallas, right? Like I think if it were just another team, like if it were the Bengals, let's say, I don't think it happens. But I think because it's Dallas, because it's a backup, if that were to happen and we lose to Philly next week and we're one and three. Oh, we're in all sorts of shit. I don't think Dallas means a lot to the players or the coaching staff as much as it means to us. Uh, I do think enough pressure would get it done, honestly. I, I really it, do. I, I just, it doesn't feel to me as though the pressure of the outside influences get the raw necessarily all that much. Well, the questions are starting to. So, um, no, now- and, and that's the thing. Do I see, can I see a full meltdown of Ron Rivera at a press conference? That's possibly I mean. before Jack Del Rio? Yeah, but that's where, like, oh, all right, if he has next week. Maybe. I mean, the Lord knows. It we're, we're, really we're, I'm predicting a 200-yard receiver. <laughs> I, at the very least, 150 seems safe. AJ Brown's do already done can, that. So let me ask you, do they get right? No. This I is don't be see bad. it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you. Uh, I have not, I've, I've got no reason to believe it. Right. Jonathan Allen's groin is still a problem. We lack defensive tackle depth. Chase Young can't get back soon enough, but he's not allowed to for two more games. So even if he were fine now, not allowed to. So yeah, maybe the offense wins us a game. Maybe. And I have, I actually have faith in them and Mm -hmm. Scott Turner, fair play for the second half. First half. Yes. Bad. And in fact, I was talking to somebody on Twitter with the district divided account earlier who made the same point you did, right? Like make that in-game adjustment, make it quicker because we honestly should have, if we played, if we had even five good plays on offense, or defense in that first half. It's a different ballgame. I think we win. <laughs> like, it's a, I honestly it's a totally different ballgame. It game. was such a bad first half, and mm-hmm. yet we still came so close. That's how bad we so were. That's the thing is, like, I was telling you that, so for fans that I know, I know I alluded to it earlier, I didn't get to watch the game live. I was traveling back from Missouri, and I tried to do the radio sound so I could come back and watch it on the DVR, but something slipped through the crack, and it spoiled the game for me. But then when I hopped on Twitter and I saw all the – talk for people when I saw the final score once again kind of reading between I thought it was just a blot from the very beginning maybe we put the last hurrah on but watching through the end of the first quarter I'm just like we're very much in this game like when is it going to go bad when the fuck is it going to go bad like I was waiting for it to go bad like really really bad and that was when we talked about what happened at the end of that first quarter but yeah it was frustrating because like that offense man I, and that's the thing when's the last time we talked about watching where the offense is that much better than fucking defense like, I don't know, probably that? probably 2016 or something like that probably one Jeez. of those kirk years um yeah so we'll end up seeing what happens of course i put more of this game on the coaches than the players simply mm-hmm. because the first half if you have 53 people asleep at this level that's yeah, the, no, coaches. It, the coaches are getting majority blame because also if we're looking at that defense and as much as I talk about the 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 lack of effort and the terrible angles, mm-hmm. there were no adjustments being made on defense, period. I didn't yep. see any guys lining up differently. I didn't see them going with different kind of personnel. Um, they just, yeah, we're just going to keep doing it and maybe it'll work. And it's like, the fuck are you looking at? And and here's the thing. Now Chase Ruye is likely, there's a chance he's done for the whole year. Mm-hmm. Um. Short-term IR is the minimum. We're going to see how that goes. Tyler Larson's not back yet. He needs to wait another game. The current backup is Wes Schweitzer, who's currently dealing with a hamstring injury and actually had to miss the game. So we're already in this tremendously compromised situation on both sides of the ball. 
on the offensive line and defensive line. Chase Ruye is a great center. Jonathan Allen, if he has the groin injury that continues to linger, that is going to debilitate one of the NFL's top 100 players as voted by the players, number 88 overall. Deron Payne, continue to do your thing. Great start to the year for you. And the secondary's got to figure it out. Hopefully, Cam Curl comes back and, and things magically change for everybody. But, I mean, can it with just one guy returning? We'll see. We'll see. Get Chase week five, hopefully. Right. Let me ask you about this. The new segment I want to do, uh, the, the Cole Holcomb superstar check. Where's no. he at? <laughs> it was one of those things where I said it. It was like, oh, fuck, and then had to double down. I had no choice. I had no choice, k Not. The moment I said it, I was like, well, I have to because what if I'm right? And I want no, not even close. They're setting Cole to fail, back. man. They're setting Cole Holcomb to fail. It's this, this, like, we kept. <laughs> so, this is the thing is that we How many of these linebackers start for any other team? Oh, if, if for teams to know how to, what positions to actually put them in? Yeah, that I'll even defense, give you that. It's amazing. That, that whole defense looks awesome somewhere else. Um, look at how many first fucking round picks on the line, dog. Like, what the fuck? Um, coaching all over again. It's coaching, coaching all over. There's again. running lanes and everything. You're not doing. Look, here's what I here's what I find hilarious, right? Yeah. <laughs> we kept talking about how linebacker was the position to need, right? <laughs> and then it's almost like out of Ashburn, they sold us this. If <laughs> you start hearing the spin, well, we'd never really use three linebackers anyway. Right, it's like yeah. They start, yeah. Like, look at the percentage we're doing this that, and the other, dude. If under any circumstance, if if you're going to play with two linebackers, this is the only linebackers you're gonna do, and you're gonna ask them to cover that sort of real estate, you are fucked. Hundred percent. Like so, in the Davis, like Davis has the speed. He should be better in coverage. There's no excuse for him always being in the wrong place. That's my biggest issue with Davis. He's always in the wrong spot. I don't think spot. he's always. He's I think that's an exaggeration. I don't think lot. he's always in I the wrong spot. I promise you, he's in the wrong Let spot. Let us know in the comments lot. below if he's always in the wrong spot. He's in the not wrong spot bad. a lot. He's in the wrong spot a lot. And there's a lot of times where you see he's late and he's not. There's no intuition being played with Jan, with Davis right now. And that's my issue right now with him is that there's no intuition. Holcomb looks like he has intuition. He's just slow. He's just not fast enough to keep up with people. And so you, the yeah, okay. So Davis, like you look at the sack that Davis had early on. You see that breakneck speed to him get through that line of scrimmage. He should there? be more of a pass rusher, a hundred percent. Because then, if you have Chase and Jabin, once like he's a massive individual. He's a massive individual, but you'd also say he's that speed. speed. But you right. say that speed, you should be able to cover better. Why are you getting burnt all the time? Like that, that to me is what tight hip flexors. <laughs> you know, I don't that know. Fucking Jamin David, or <laughs> James Winston's out. Um, he's got, that's my issue with Davis. And look, he's second year. They're asking him to do a lot. They're mm -hmm. asking him to do a lot. And because once again, Holcomb is as slow as he is. It makes Davis even look worse in that position. He's the only guy with the speed able to do anything. And they're asking him to cover a large swath of the field because they're not giving the health that he needs from the rest of the secondary. They're playing so fucking far back. Um, it's just that five to 10 yards being automatic is a killer. Yes. It's killing us. 100%. I mean, well, nothing like a third and 15 where the running back falls flat on his ass, gets up, makes one more move. Time. Jesus, that was that. That was one of the 
like I I don't know if we're selling we're selling that enough. Like that's that a, felt that's Albert a turkey bowl worth lie yeah. lady lie to me. That's not a professional play. No, no, uh, maybe in college, but in college you're technically ruled down the moment you fall, so that you can't even do that in college. That was pathetic. And worst, I like, worst I don't play like I've seen on defense. I do not like talking about commanders players that way. I don't. Yeah. I and I right. I try my damnedest not to do that. But that was a pathetic play. Yeah. And that one, that play specifically, I actually do not put on coaching because they were 15 yards back, protecting that line, making sure that they didn't gain it through a wide receiver. Check down was the idea, and we just didn't execute there. So that I certainly put on the players. But literally the rest of it look completely unprepared for this game. Yep. Completely. Um. Final question, KDOT. Can they throw Jamin Davis under the bus against Philly if he has another game like that? Or at some point, do the coaches go, you know what? We're failing him. To me, it's... I've yet to hear that. What I need to hear is that they're all in the bus together. Sure. I haven't heard that yet. That's that's what I want to... Like, the the next time I see, I hear Jack Del Rio or Ron... And Ron kind of alluded to it a little bit. I think the, in one of the pressers or the press conference today, the day after. Uh, if you want to blame everybody, blame us all or something like that. He, he did said that, the same but thing he, twice. He also said something about um, they were asking about a specific play. I forget the play. And he was like, yeah, our guy was out of position. Mm. He said okay. he, he did sing a lot. One guy was out of position, but he had to go take a look or something at it. And it's I don't know. I, I Here's what it, I'll almost accept it from Ron if it's just egregious. But I also think Jamin's in a position where everything he does bad is going to look egregious. Yeah. And it's not completely on him. I do feel terrible for him. And I do think I do too. if this defense wasn't asking so much of him, he could really be something. I wouldn't say like a star, but he could be he he could have some plays in his Rolodex that like would be like, holy shit, who's this guy? Um, he's just not gonna get him here, not with what we're asking him to do. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up the episode? Uh, I hope it gets better. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I fucking hope so, too. Um, you know what? I just realized we do have comments, so yep. we'll wrap up with the comment mailbag. That works. Uh, as we always do. There were seven comments this time, and thank you all for your comments. Appreciate it. Ref the District, well done, boys. Really appreciate it. Shout out Ref the District, another great DC sports podcast. And they Love also, it, I think, live stream uh, the Washington Commanders games. Uh, there's a great clip of Stoner, one of the guys, going, I need, I'm not, oh, what was it? I need someone to fucking answer me. Why did we go for two? Which we didn't even talk about. Why we went for two when it was 29 to 21. I understood it. I understood the analytics of it I and stuff like it. that. Fine. Um, but yeah, in I the hear- moment, it did feel weird. So here's the only thing I'll say to that. I I understand it. Right. But I also, and I understand that if we were in the scoring position to either tie the game or win the game, he would have went for the win. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have either. I wouldn't have gone for the win. I would have played I'm a data analyst and I would not have done I would have absolutely played overtime because I do think there's a human element to this as far as the emotional weight on players this early in the season. Yeah. And I don't think the analytics account for that. And Detroit all. would have been freaking broken if we took them to overtime after that first half right. they had. Right? right. So that's the part of it that I don't think gets covered. And my beef with sort of the analytics community, being an analyst myself, is that 
they don't account for the human element of it at all. Right. right. That doesn't get included in my at opinion. All. So it's like, just does not compute. And it's like, come on, dude, like you, you have emotions, you get it. Like yeah. anyway, um, Tony, shout out Tony, Tony as always. Damn right. I'm here. Welcome back. KDOT. <laughs> Matt's cool. He'll only come back if the lines win. Uh, <laughs> Matt was not invited to this episode, so he didn't have a chance to come back to this one and we figured out our, our zoom security and we figured out our zoom security uh ridge where your helmet at damn three linemen down time to call up easy dude is ass though got blau completely wrecked on the blind side this is a shout out to hard knocks um so, oh man that that is <laughs> he didn't play he clearly didn't play because uh if he did I think we would have gotten some more sacks, but yeah. thank you, Bernal Ridgeway helmet app for the comment Then Freddie Lee hits us with three. Oh, all right. Number one, we need to make MLB a priority in off season. You know, love the comment, but don't quite understand where we're going with that. Then second one, what good MLB coming out of this upcoming draft? Once again, not fully sure uh, what we're going to do with that, but he does give a prediction 41, 17 Washington. I'm going to love that. I have an answer to that possible. I have an um, answer to one of those. The MLB okay, college roster. Yeah, um, two. I'll I'll throw two names out there. I've been having to get a little more invested in college football because of my job this season than I that I really want to. But uh, Trenton Sis, Trenton Simpson, linebacker out of I'm an Clemson. idiot. I'm an Did idiot. you think Major League Baseball? I thought Major League Baseball. Middle linebacker, but <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, like, okay. Freddie. I'm so sorry. That is a hundred percent on me. Oh, I was shit. reading that. I was like, why are we talking about baseball over here, <laughs> Freddie? I owe you an apology, big time. <laughs> middle linebacker, yes, we need to make middle linebacker a priority <laughs> in the offseason. What good middle linebackers coming out of this upcoming draft? Well, K dot, as you covered, K dot, take it away one more time, please. <laughs> Trenton Simpson, Jesus Clemson, <laughs> outside linebacker. Um, they've had him play a lot in coverage of like the that that hybrid safety role or anything. So he's most known for his coverage. His catch percentage is fairly high. Or uh, they do complete passes on him, but I do think just from a raw talent standpoint, he's somebody that can really develop, and I think he's a name that's going to be mentioned close to draft time. And then uh, Demont Diamante Tucker Dorsey, the linebacker out of Texas, who does more of the coverage stuff there too. There's a lot of other guys, but the thing is that I'm looking at a linebacker if we're going to keep this style of defense, which I've actually been thinking about whether or not we should revamp the whole thing. I was actually thinking what would we look like as maybe a three four because I think Mont has like I don't know. But, um, I mean, if we do a 3-4, we need a lot more guys. But I think after getting rid of the depth that we had on the defensive line, I think it's something that probably needs to be discussed. Move Duran and maybe nose tackle, have uh, Allen on the outside with a young, and then put Montez because he has a speed at outside linebacker. Okay. Maybe Davis at the other outside linebacker, put Cole Holcomb somewhere. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a guess that this ship does not get righted properly. And that Rivera and Del Rio are both gone. But Scott Turner stays and actually gets promoted to head coach because it is hard for us to get talent over here from other teams due to ownership. And his dad used to coach here. North Turner. What what will Norville tell his son? Will Norville say that it's a safe and secure job to take? No, but he he will say take a head coaching job. And Scott Turner is going to show out for us. And like every other coordinator worth a damn, we'll get a payday somewhere else and we'll see him playing for a fucking Super Bowl while we have Sean McVay, Kevin O'Connell now, who looks, I mean, it's only been one game, but based on the reviews he's getting in Minnesota and in LA, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. 
Matt LaFleur. All right. Literally an eighth of the league is offensive geniuses that were here. You know who will get Mike Martz because he popped up in fucking media last year. This this last week. We're bringing him back. Why not? Just bring just bring Mike Martz back. Keep, let's just bring just him fucking, back. Just plugging fucking square and round all of these because he doesn't give a shit. Um, this is going to sound fucked up. Is Dick Vermeil alive? I believe so. Bring but I think in. something's he's got to be like 90 years old. Yeah, well, it won't look any different. Or did he just pass away? Because uh, no, he's eighty-five, dude. He's thriving. Yeah, so you want to kill him? Got it. <clears throat> Damn, we did kill Vince <laughs> Lombardi. <laughs> we killed Lombardi, and hundred percent without a shadow. Of right. Joe Gibbs to... came back another year. He would not be with us. Uh, that's a good point. I don't want to kill Vermeil. I like Dick Vermeil. Hey, g- g- what's Norv doing? <laughs> Scott goes somewhere else. What's Norv? What's Norv up to? Let's make Scott head coach. Let's make Norv offensive coordinator. Hey, Norv, we want to right the wrongs of '99. It's the only. <laughs> it's the only way to exercise the demons here. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what we. You need think to that's do. what we need to do? Bring Just, Norv back. Nor- bring Norval back, and we can only call him Norval. We got to call him the full. We got to call Norval. him. We got to call him Norval. Um, does Marty come back? Fuck no. I think we need to repair that bridge. We might just do a separate uh, episode no, of just all these what ifs with coaches and how we fix whatever we need to fix over yeah, here. Yeah, Marty died. I remember that and one. Marty died. Marty okay, died. I was saying Marty then. Rest in peace, Marty Schottenheimer. Yeah, Marty died. But not without a, not without being an absolute boss while he was over here. Like calling yeah. people out and shit, being like, this is stupid. That is stupid. Finishing the season six and two, Dan couldn't handle it. I, Marty was a boss. Let's just bring all the old guys back. Let's get let's get Norville. Let's get Al Saunders back in building. Al Saunders. Let's get Greg Williams on defense. Let's just bring back the old Washington coaches and let's put together a Frankenstein coaching staff. Honestly, it would kind of be fun. <laughs> it would be entertaining to talk about because when we do the offseason series and we start deep diving into everybody. It's like, oh, my God, look at this resume. <laughs> and will it hold up today is the question. Uh, we got one last comment from Blood Clot. K-Doc kills me. Detroit is like a World War II town. <laughs> Remember this old masterpiece? This song pops up in my head every time I hear the word Detroit. I'm now going to click on the link. I don't know if you did already. I did. I'm you about did. To start Go ahead. It's so cold in the day. How the fuck we supposed to keep peace? It's all on it. It's a classic, man. Best thing Detroit's known for since Eight Mile. I'll tell you right, wow. right now. Wow. Wow. It's like if there's a Mount Rushmore, Detroit, it's uh, what? Um, the Ford Model T. <laughs> Barry Sanders. <laughs> it's so cold. I do in the love D, that even though we day. lost to Detroit, we just don't stop. It's so cold just in the D. Get... It's so cold in the D by Baby D. And then the movie Eight Mile. No, specifically the song Lose Yourself. <laughs> the soundtrack of the movie eight mile. That is your Detroit. And right below it is the Little Caesars Detroit style deep dish pizza. Where does Calvin Johnson rank? Does he give a fuck about the organization? No, I don't think so. Well, well yeah. where does where does Matt Stafford rank for winning a Super Bowl somewhere else? Oh Matt, <laughs> do they, they he's probably up there at this oh, point. Oh, he's up there now but for things he did outside of Detroit. Yeah, I give yeah, it that. Yeah. I'll give him that. <laughs> That's the bit. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Fuck that city. I'm sure. That's the show. No, honestly, fuck that city. That's the show. No, 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 no. I ain't trying to get shot. Um <laughs> I, I like to travel. I'm just salty. It's overreaction Monday. Everyone says things. I love Detroit. I do love Detroit. Y'all, y'all should tear down half the city, just make a racetrack. It'd be fucking awesome. 
that would be pretty cool if F1 went over there or something like that. F1 should be in Detroit. I think it would be cool. I think it would be dope as shit. I think Detroit actually is a pretty cool and upcoming city in certain ways. I mean, I, I live in Baltimore. Wait, 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 hang on, hang on. Let's do this in after the pod segment. Once again, this was All District right. Divided. Thank you guys very much for listening. I am Amit. That is KDOT. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like it. Please subscribe. Please comment. We read your comments out loud. Once again, thank you so much for listening. We got the preview episode on Friday, 2 p.m. Until then, see you later after the pod starts now. All right, cool. Let's talk about Detroit. Detroit's fine. It's, it's look, it gets a bad rap. And rightfully so. But there's a part of me that always feels sorry for it, right? So, like, the same way that I live in Baltimore. Okay. You drive to Baltimore, you get off the highway, you see the smokestacks of all the industry that used to exist mm-hmm. that no longer exists in this city, right? And there's a part of me that always resonates with that working class, blue collar, but things just kind of fell apart, metropolitan area. That I mean, I feel my heart goes out to them in that sort of sense. They're right, yeah. If they are like outside of it, I guess, or just on the, like on the fringes. Checking this Detroit rest, but anyway, go ahead, keep talking. But that's um, yeah, I would say Detroit. Yeah, Detroit's got to be on the other end of the rest belt, right? That's got to be. Well, I'm. Uh, or does it go to Chicago? Belt, it goes all the way to Chicago. So yeah, they're in it. Okay. Um, okay yeah. Oh no, hold on. They're Detroit. Chicago. No, I think I think they're in there. Yeah. Let me just get a U.S. rust belt map. <laughs> Uh, I remember watching a bit on Pat McAfee where they speculated that there was just some guy that walked around who would just deem a place tough enough to be Rust Belt. Might be. Yeah, so there's some of that. Yeah. Uh, Detroit's in there. Yeah. Detroit's yeah, in there. They'd have to be. But th- so like knowing what they've done, I love cars. I love driving and knowing what Detroit means to vehicles alone is, is, is something to be proud of. Like that's that's uh, that's a significant part of American culture. Okay. That I appreciate. That so, I appreciate Detroit for. So you the only, have some Detroit love. Okay. Yeah. The, the biggest knock is that the state of Michigan is aligned with Matt Regan in Detroit. That's like the biggest knock. I know. It's I the know. Biggest knock. It is a pretty enormous knock. Like the, that's that's the thing. It's like you want to get like look. Germany is a great place, but you can't wipe Hitler off the map, right? Like you, you still <laughs> think about him sometimes. Like Germany's great. Germany's fucking awesome. But there's like there's this little taint of history that's like, eh, yeah, but y'all had that guy. Did you just compare Matt Regan's significance to Detroit? <laughs> Hitler's significance to Germany and their history? I didn't I didn't say that explicitly. I uh I just said that Germany had a guy and Michigan had a guy. Oh my god, you gotta be kidding me. Hold on, I'm about to admit him. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'd say I'd say it to a sex. <laughs> oh, I know you would. I know you would. Like, I would make sure you don't stop recording. I need this on the record. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Detroit, it, it gets, it, I, I respect the city. I do respect that city. Also, they do have to apologize for Kid Rock, even though I was a fan one time ago. Fair enough. Um, I meant to tell you, because it's been a while since we've done it after the pod. So I got my wisdom teeth out. All right. And I decided to watch The Boys. And I'm fully caught up. You caught completely up? Oh, yeah. Fantastic show. Oh, dude, I got through it so quickly. I got through it in like a week. I want to hear orgasm. Dude, that was that was wild. Wild show on TV. Yeah, it it is absolutely the wildest show on TV. And the writing's good, man. Yeah. So it's based off a comic, right? Is Mm -hmm. that the idea? Okay, cool. So it's it's basically written for him. But like the sort of there are some there are some fairly significant differences. 
I I love the idea though. The mm-hmm. idea, I love the premise. I love uh the twists have been really good. Homelander is legitimately terrifying. Like One of the it's best cool. villains of all time. Oh, so good. So so good. Um, and you can just see the psychological issues like he's genuinely battling with. Mm-hmm. Like it's it is crazy. Um, but I also just don't want to give too too much away, obviously, for people yeah. that may eventually watch. Sidebar, just a opinion. If you're an adult and you drink milk, like just a glass of milk, you're a creep. Yeah, oh, 100%. Dude's looking for it everywhere. That's that's some creepy shit. Like you're Remember the cow scene? Yeah, no, I know. But if you, if I if I see you as an adult just like pour a glass of milk to drink, yeah. like cow's milk, I, I got a problem with you. No, I mean, got to. That That is genuinely terrifying the more I think of it. That's probably the most, yeah, it's the most terrifying part of his character is just his desire. And if you, I'm telling you, we start looking at like characters, movie characters, a lot of villains that drink milk, like Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men. Milk okay, I have not seen No Country for Old Men. Then you need we need to stop this right now so you can just go, I watch, need to go watch that. That's 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 a travesty. Well, I'll just have a late night. I'll watch it after Vikings Eagles. I'll go ahead and do that. I work. Uh, I got no football tonight with the girlfriend. Oh, OK. All oh, right, right, right. Well, she's snoring still, right? No, nah, she's awake. Oh, OK. <laughs> Hi, Devin. <laughs> she can't hear. I mean, I'm telling her right now. She's looking at me and yeah. letting her know that her snoring got caught up on the podcast, which is great. Being oh, yeah. Easter egg. Can only imagine what that face is. <laughs> oh, she the look uh, yep, on yep, her yep. face. <laughs> oh, I'm a guest. <laughs> you know what? That's a good note to end it up. All right. Uh, this is District Divided. I'm on it. That is K. That is Devin off screen. Oh. <laughs> And that's a girlfriend. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Enjoy.